Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Curium's named after her, I think. Curium? We should use that way more. She should have used that. But to be honest, this is like the, the worst <laughs> informed science podcast ever. I'm just, just making stuff up, basically, off the top of my head. I mean, th- this is the smartest we've ever oh. been on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're really dragging the average up, kid, so... <laughs> Welcome to Legitimate Likes, the podcast where we take a look at some of humanity's most popular fascinations and we try to work out whether they're really worthy of the hype. They're likes, but are they legitimate likes? My name is Will, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Hugh. Hello, Hugh. Hi, Will. Exactly how well are you? 76. You? Oh, that's pretty good. I'd say 81. Oh, okay. Why do you think you're, you're five better than me? Why? That's the fastest I've ever done maths. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought I would definitely be a square number, you know. So have I? You are a square. You? Have I gone too far now? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's not a square. Yeah. 80, 81 all round stuff and one line. That's not a square. It's yeah. <laughs> not what squares look like. Okay, who do you think might know what squares look like? I think the person you're speaking of is our guest, and strap in because the introduction is long and woo, boy is overqualified. Please welcome to the podcast our guest, Kit Yates, a senior lecturer at the Department of Mathematical Sciences and co-director of the Center for Mathematical Biology at the University of Bath. His research demonstrates that mathematics can be used to describe all sorts of real-world phenomena, from embryo formation to locust swarming and from sleeping sickness to eggshell patterning. Author of The Maths of Life and Death, published in 2019 and translated into 25 languages, his second book, How to Expect the Unexpected, is, has just been released on the 6th of July. <sighs> I, I should have come up with an ending. Hi, Kit. 25 is another square number, Will. Again. This is great. This is great maths. I'm loving it. By the way, what, when you're saying how, how well are you, how well are you exactly, what was it out of? Like 71? 765. Right. So not so yeah. pretty bad, actually. That's, that's, yeah, mm. not great. Not, now, though, 
I'm on like a 450. Oh, that's really good. It's, it's really important. After I did so well with that intro. Yeah, it's really important yeah. to have a denominator to know what you're dividing by, right? So that you know what you're talking yeah. about, yeah. But good to see square numbers. Where are you at on the scale? How, how many are we out of and how are you? How well are you? I'm probably a, uh, a pi out of four, I guess, something like that. Oh, okay. Oh, that's pretty yeah. solid. Yeah, okay. so, you know, right. That's a 3.14 Hugh, in case you were Approximately. Confused. Pro- oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, not really. Will it's <laughs> oh, no. more like three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight. That's that's as far as I can go. Hello, <laughs> I'm loving this. Uh, that was excellent. just just throwing down the gauntlet. How many digits have you got, kid? <laughs> not, not as many as that. <laughs> three point one four one five. Yeah, that's about as far as I go. What an idiot! All he's got is a PhD from Oxford. Ugh. A couple of books. Sorry, maths fans. It is great. It's great to know pi. Pi is a lovely, a lovely number, but you'll never get to the end of it. Mm. Whoa, whoa! That's very unexpected. And uh, Kit's new book is called How to Expect the Unexpected: The Science of Making Predictions and the Art of Knowing When Not to. Kit, tell us about the book, please. Yeah, so it's out 6th of July. Um, it's about predicting the future and the things that can go wrong when you uh, when you don't predict the future very well. And it's and it, to some degree it's about maths, but some degree it's about psychology and it's about the sort of things that we just assume naturally, we never really question, uh, and they can lead us off in the wrong direction. So it's about telling stories of people who've made predictions, who've made mistakes, and giving people better ways to make predictions uh, in the future. Do you reckon you can make a, a calculated prediction for this podcast? Uh, I think your ratings will go through the roof. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And if it doesn't, we'll blame you. Well, if it doesn't, no one's going to hear it to hear that prediction. So it's a win-win, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's really safe. That's really, really safe. safe. You've done very well there. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm very excited to read it. I've got it. I've got a copy of it right here, but it's slightly out of reach. Great. Oh, uh, Look yeah. at that. Oh, fantastic. Buy the book. Yeah, that's nice. Thank you. I'm actually very excited to read it because I'm, I'm not... Well, we'll get into we'll get into maths. I'm yeah, sure. you know what? You don't. I want to say from the top, you do not need to be mathematical to read it. You don't need to have an A level, a GCSE. Well, maybe a bit of, of of you know interest in in the subjects, but you don't really need to have a lot of maths. There's no equations in the book. I make a deliberate point to have no equations. So it's for for everyone who's vaguely interested in the modern world and where numbers can come up and how you can make better predictions. Amazing. Well, speaking of vaguely interested, please welcome our producer, <laughs> Michael, to the podcast. How are you, Michael? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Very, very excited. Michael, the number that often comes to mind when I think of you is, do you remember that exam? We were studying for something and we did an exam. And in fairness to Michael, Michael helped me study for this and I would not have got through this exam without him. <laughs> and I did. But Michael, what did you get in that exam, percentage-wise? Well, if you, if you were divide, to divide one by infinity, what, what does that get you, Kit? What's that? Uh, it's relatively close to zero. I mean, you could argue that it's. Well, zero. I got I got less than that actually. <laughs> so <laughs> that's an achievement. You got a negative result on the exam. Wait, how could you get a negative result? No, I got a zero. Got a zero. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right down. Big right right down. Zero. I thought yeah, they yeah, deducted yeah. points for how spectacularly <laughs> you failed. I mean, if they could have, they would have. <laughs> what yeah, what yeah, was yeah. the exam? I I. I mean, we don't want to get into it, do we? It was a law. It was a law-related exam. I went in a different very direction. Very dull legal drafting exam. Yeah. Very, very boring. But how can you? How could you possibly? Michael get zero? basically took the approach. You know, you know how you've seen those movies where it's like 
Now, I may not be a big city lawyer, but I got some fancy... You got some fancy ideas, but I'm going to talk some real sense. That's kind of the approach but, Michael took, yeah, unfortunately. Basically. Yeah, they yeah. didn't. The fancy lawyers didn't like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the jury didn't go my way on, on that one. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I didn't realize they're juries and exams for, uh, in Ireland. <laughs> could have gone, could have gone either way, but ended up with a zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kate, what's the worst you've ever done in an exam? Um, that is a that's a difficult question. I've never failed an exam. Um, I remember having a um, nice. There was <laughs> there's one at A level that I nearly didn't take because I'd accidentally booked a holiday. Um, on the the last day so i I basically miscounted how many exams i I have which for a mathematician is quite embarrassing uh so particularly as well in england like don't you only do like three exams well back back in the day when i was doing a levels you you did as levels and a2 levels and actually in maths it's modular so we actually had i did maths and further maths we had 12 different exams in maths to do um, and then I had physics. The one I forgot was that I had a practical in physics, which no one wants to do anyway. But I, I'd a forgot. Practical in physics. What was what that about? You you did a practical in physics. I mean, going on your holiday yeah. is yeah. kind of yeah. A- I was yeah. learning about flight. I was testing out flight, right, and making sure that that <laughs> yeah. worked. Um, it was. I don't know. You go into. I can't really remember. You go into a room and they've got like some equipment, and you're asked to measure. I don't know, maybe like to measure gra- oh, gravity. That was a different thing. That that wasn't an exam. You need to talk to someone about that. You need to report oh, that. Dear. I'm sure I wasn't the only one in there. Maybe I was. Oh, dear. Are you sure it wasn't a, are you sure it wasn't a physical? <laughs> I might have just totally misunderstood what the teacher was saying oh, yeah. at the time. Uh, well, I have, I have many questions about maths and, and also about being a mathematician as well. Um, but first, we have our legitimate likes patented three question quiz uh, which will test your knowledge collectively of, of of things that are kind of vaguely related to maths um so things like english and r and p <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. these well, days it's all about integration of all the subjects you know <laughs> well that's where question one starts actually um oddly <laughs> accurate will um so um a series of 2019 surveys um of nearly 800 uk uh, school children aged 5 to 17 found that maths was the was most commonly named the most popular subject what was most commonly named as the least popular subject hmm. what do you think most people hated the most this is hard to throw away your own ingrained biases of what you didn't like at school right so yeah. for me i put my hand up and be like english i found it really tedious to to study english but I know that it's yeah. also a very popular subject, so probably not English. Mm. Yeah. See, in Ireland, in Ireland, I feel people would say Irish, unfortunately. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, we'd probably say a foreign language. We hate them. <laughs> I don't think you know they exist. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Every time yeah. I go there, everyone speaks English. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Do you speak French? Yes, I do. <laughs> a croissant, please. <laughs> but have you tried speaking French in in not? perfect french in in france sometimes you know they they just say well you know i'll just reply to you in english the same in sweden in particular (laughs) everyone speaks brilliant english you try and yeah you just get smacked back so that's probably why we don't bother isn't it um i think i guess pe ah it is hard isn't it trying to separate pe is probably a good one this is probably because really there's there's gonna be a big spectrum here so you gotta you probably it's like you know it's like uh it's like an election. You don't need a majority. You just need a plurality. You know, you just need like 
29% or something like that. So mm. will we go PE? A lot of people hate PE. My only my only reason I would say not PE is because I just used to love the fact that you you didn't have to use your brain at all during or not yeah. not at all but like you you were just chasing a you know a ball around yeah. or something and yeah. it was just total like switch off bit of a break. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, bit yeah. of a break. Yeah. Will, what was your least favorite? Oh, my least favorite was maths, but that's I think because of a a collection of teachers who knocked the confidence out of me. Really, mm. is why because I actually think, and also I don't think I think my brain doesn't work as well with patterns of logic i think it works better with like uh um f- flowers and dust you know as as someone yeah. as someone who's uh tried to coordinate a podcast recording schedule with you for many years now i can confirm that your brain huh? does does not work with patterns of logic okay sorry uh, michael what what, what me. message did you send to the group at seven o'clock today What'd shots fired let's be on at 10 to 8 yeah, yeah, yeah. so we can yeah. be there and have yeah. a chat before yeah. kit gets here yeah two minutes past eight will and i are here yeah a couple of I minutes past it. eight kit comes on kit is here too <laughs> waiting for you <laughs> what like also michael I, I i'd just like to ask you who who created the excel spreadsheet that has our recording schedule on it that's true you did you did okay yeah just because I'm, I wake up at eleven and I'm free at four p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, wait, that's it. Our diaries are uh, incompatible, not our brains. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's yeah, true. No, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. kid, I want you to make. The call, I, I was going to throw one more into the mixer, which is one I'm particularly Great. bad at, which is art. Um, I don't know if that's Good the same choice. for everyone, but I feel like a lot yeah. of people might struggle with art. I don't know. I found it a- very frustrating. Again, yeah. there's an element of not having to do real work in it, but, but yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I was always bad at art. Um, and it so was yeah, also, let- yeah. like, I think there was more of, like, at least with PE, you could stand in the corner of the pitch and be like, I'm not helping. But with art, it'd be like, try and do a Picasso. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, I, what does that mean? Yeah, mm. yeah. Just, we're going with art. art. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Um, if I didn't know what the answer to the question was. Um, and actually, the answer to the question is the subject most commonly named as the least popular subject was maths as well. <gasps> twist. Twist. Whoa. Yeah. What yeah. a twist. Yeah. Interesting. Mm, we um, should have got there. So, you know, yeah. Both I the mean, most that's and, and absolutely least what I would have chosen, but... It, it wasn't an... No, I was gonna. I was gonna try and really risk something. I was gonna say it wasn't an exclusive set, but I don't think that means anything, does it? Uh, I mean, those two things are not mutually <laughs> exclusive. You could say, right? Like it being. I was gonna say yeah. that, but I I wanted more of a risk. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, um, maths choose maths. There you go. Maths, maths choose, choose maths. maths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will's heard well us done. use that. Well done, Will. Phrase. Will's heard us say choose on the podcast before. Okay. <laughs> clearly retained it. <laughs> I, I'm like I'm like your your child. Uh, Will's heard us say that before. He he yeah. likes to say it. Isn't it impressive when he repeats the things the grown-ups say? In what context have you been using choose notation and choose? It was it was a quiz. Was it a quiz, Mike? Yeah, you asked us a question. It yeah. was about oh, birthdays. it was something to do with. It was about birthdays. It was yes. so, kids. Do you know? In a room full of. 20 oh, people. 20 people. Is it 20, a, what's, 20 what's people, number? maybe? Is that it? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the likelihood of uh, of a birthday being the same. It's, it's very high. So, uh, if you care to peruse The Maths of Life and Death, my first book, you will <laughs> you'll read all about the birthday problem. Uh, yeah, so 23 <laughs> people in a room, the probability of two people sharing a birthday becomes more than 50%, more likely than not. Yeah, it's a wild, it's a wild start, isn't it? And it's because Insane. there are so many 
pairs of people in the room and that's what the problem is all about everyone thinks about it from their own perspective and thinks well it's what's the probability of someone having my birthday but actually when you've got 23 people in the room you've got 253 pairs of people in the room and uh, that sort of explains why they're so so much more likely than you might think it is god you've explained that so well that Michael explained it very poorly. I did, and they kept using the word choose, okay. and I was like, I mean, "I mean, kid, it was virtually the entire sad. episode." <laughs> <laughs> it means, if you want to go through the maths, amazing. it can take a bit longer. But the the, the reason why it's not as surprising, oh, as... Michael didn't go through the maths. <laughs> no. Are there any other facts that you could share from that book to tantalise people to go and buy it? One of my favourites is uh, optimal stopping. It's sometimes called the the secretary problem. And the idea is that you are hiring uh, someone for a job. It doesn't have to be a secretary, but that was what it was in the original version. And you get to see 100 people. um, And the, the sort of kicker to the hiring problem is that you have to tell them at the end of the interview whether you want to hire them or not. And if you tell them you you don't want to hire them, then you can't rehire them later. Okay. And so um, you can judge everyone Mm -hmm. by their quality, sort of uh, objectively. That's the other assumption that you make. And the question is, basically, how many people should you see before you Mm -hmm. choose? Or what should your strategy be to hire someone so that Mm -hmm. you get the best possible person? You're welcome to have a shot. At, uh, is is it something like you work out what the, what the minimum number of interviews you need to go through is to get like an effective sample of a hundred people? Yeah, and then and then pick the best person after that. Yes, basically. is is that yes. is that it? That is, is that, that it? is that is very very good. Yeah. So the idea is, I guess, if you. So my guess so of my, I, you see, I was going to answer the question using my university challenge <laughs> rules, which is any time there's a question about maths, I just say one. I was going to say one. Well. So one, you don't get to see a good spectrum of people, right? You just choose the first person that you interview. Great. And then yeah. they might be good, they might be bad. If you S- wait... Save myself a full day of interviews. Yeah, well, that's true. There's a, there's a, there's a real world that, you know, side to this problem. So let's Look not, at all that time we've saved. I went, I went to school with him. <laughs> right. He was great. Um, We're good mates. We go yeah, way back. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so, you know, a bit of, yeah, a bit of nepotism or whatever. Bring it on. Yeah, fine. Perfect. But yeah. in, the, in the abstract world of maths where there's no nepotism, if you, go to, if you wait till the end and you see everyone, you've got a great gauge of, of who's out there, mm. but you have to hire the last person because you've rejected yeah. all the people. Yeah. So the answer's going to lie somewhere in the middle. And the maths is a little bit complicated, but it turns out that you need to look at a proportion of those people, which is one over E. So E is a ma- another mathematical number. It's a little bit okay. like pi, but it basically works out to be about 37% of the people. So you look, 37. Yeah, so you look at 37 okay. people out of this 100 and you choose the first person after that who's better than all the other people that you've seen. So let, let me think about this another way. Okay, so if you were trying to find a, a partner, a, a romantic partner. Um, okay. So, so that's, you know, I don't know what percentage of the population it, that, that is, but let's say you're talking about millions of people. Michael, is this your way of saying you've slept with 37 people? <laughs> no, no, I'm just trying to think, is it, would, you, would you realistically have to, have to sort of entertain 37% of the, of, of the you know, your, your intended, uh, whatever your intended demographic so, is so people, to, uh, to work out? People do use this or have, you know, suggested using this for dating. I think that's a horrible idea. I think you have to know the limits of yeah. where maths can actually apply. 
Uh, but yeah. yeah, the idea is you, you work out how long you're planning to date people for, how long you think people would date you for, perhaps. And you okay. work out how many people you're going to date to give them a fair chance, maybe like, I don't know, six people a year, give them two months each, something like that, over the course of 20 years. I don't know, just, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, so you work out, you've got... You've got a f- Those numbers came to mind very quickly. Yeah, I know, you were like, it's a horrible idea, but and then like absolutely crunched that, the numbers yeah, out. Um, yeah, and then, so you work out how many people that you, you wanted to date, and then you, you give them all the chance. But the problem is you've got to be absolutely brutal. You find someone that you like, and then yeah. you've got to be like, mm, sorry, two months is up. And you're not still working you're through in it. the first 37%, so yeah. I'm sorry. You're in my sample set, yeah. sorry. I mean, we're very compatible. Exactly, but... <laughs> exactly. So it's a little bit brutal to do that. Um, wow. Yeah, so I wouldn't recommend it. But you can use it in the supermarket, right? So uh, if you know there are a fixed number of checkouts, maybe there's 10 checkouts, look at the lengths of the mm. queues as you're walking by. Walk past the first three or four, judging how long they are and stick your trolley in the first one after that that's shorter than the ones that you've seen so far. And that's the that gives okay. you the best chance of getting the best queue. What it doesn't do is mean you'll always get the best queue. It only works 37% of the time, but it is the mm. optimal strategy okay. for you to work. So you might have, you know, you might walk past the best one because my approach now I so I used to avoid to avoid any social interaction at all. I use the self-checkout wherever possible. <laughs> But I, I now I used to just use it when I had a few items. Now I use it no matter how much stuff I have, and I've become really good at just building up a tower of items on that little <laughs> bit. Because as long as as long as they're hitting the scales, we're okay. But then you know it's a it's a it's a house of cards, yeah. or well, really a tower of oranges. Unless <laughs> <laughs> it all falls off, then what you you uh, you're that guy who has to restack it. I moonwalk out of the shop. That's uh, that's what I do. <laughs> Those scales on the self checkouts are amazing. Anytime yeah, yeah, I throw yeah. down a packet of coriander, I'm like, you've got no chance. <laughs> and it knows every time. Because my brain is like, I've put a heavy thing down. There's no yeah. way it can tell these leaves. And it does. But Will, do you know how it knows? Maths. <laughs> no, it's not maths, you. It's, it's weight, you is idiot. It because you just, yeah. Is it because you just scanned it? Isn't that how it knows? <laughs> well, it's ca- yeah, well, no, totally, yeah, Kit. But, I understand. But, I, I... but Kit, do you know how it knows what you've scanned? That's, that's science. That's science. Uh, no, because you, you scan it and it says, please put this in the bagging area yeah. and you can't mm. move on. No, no, no. You can't. Well, I guess I'm saying it like maybe it calibrates itself to what it's expecting to see once you've scanned it. So maybe it's like, oh, coriander. Yeah. Oh, maybe if it doesn't change, maybe I'm all right with that. Oh, Interesting. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, definitely like if you put down something heavier to try and steal, like this is coriander, but you put down some, I don't know, Tony's Chocolonies, uh, Ben and Jerry's crossover, put that down. <laughs> it's going to be like, mm-hmm, you're trying to mess around and steal £4.50 worth of ice cream here. You know? In fairness, Will, if anyone was going to buy 600 grams of coriander in one go, it would be you. Yeah, yeah. They'd take one look at me and be like, smells of hemp, let's go. <laughs> if you put down a crate of beer with coriander on top, do you think it would still pick that up? Well, I know what game I'm playing this week. <laughs> yeah. Low-level Yeah, because it must be... <laughs> it must be... Yeah, there must be an amount that it differs by, because... I mean, all butternut squashes are not made equal, but you weigh them. Yeah. Are yeah, we yeah. in the middle of a quiz? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. We were. I was going to let yeah. that run, though. Um, well, so we, we talked about the birthday paradox. Um, question two uh, is, is about another paradox. 
I um, wonder how many of these are just all in Kit's book that we have. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That we're spoiling several, um, quickly. I mean, to be fair, it's making me want to buy the book. So, um, well, Kit, you you may be familiar with this one. If you are, I'm going to let you sit this one out and let let's let's see how the guys get on with it. But um, so this is the potato paradox. Um, so let's say that Classic. Hugh brings home a hundred kilograms of potatoes. Which and then as... Kit and Will steal the potatoes, <laughs> refuse to provide any support during a <laughs> send grain around year to period. India. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on, go on. I've heard this one before. Yeah. So, I'm so you brought it absolutely home famished to see what comes next. <laughs> um, you've got a hundred kilograms of potatoes, and, and so yeah. these are these are purely mathematical potatoes. They consist of ninety nine percent water. Mm. Um. And then you leave them in a dry press so that some of the water evaporates until they consist of 98% water. What is their new weight? So. And I will say my first challenge on this one is that I was understanding the question. Like I was, it took, took me a while to, to get this into my head. So we've evaporated 1% of every single potato's water. Well, now hang on. No, we haven't. We've evaporated... One percent out of we've evaporated one ninety ninth of every potato's water. I'm gone, and I wonder is, <laughs> is that part of it, Michael, or am I? I am think I, you're on the right on the direction. Right you sort of you you took the right right turn, but then you took the left when you were you know you're sort of thinking mm. about it the right way. You see, it's it's like this thing which, kid, I'm a I'm a primary school teacher, but we we were doing um the idea of calculating percentage profit and percentage loss. But then we had a situation where this won't stay in the edit. It's too boring. <laughs> but we had a situation where you're told I, whoever sold a bike for a 25% profit and their selling price was 120 euro, what was their buying price? And they think, oh, we just take away 25%. But of course you don't because you haven't shown them 100%. You've shown them 125%. So mm. you've got to take away 20% of that. So... Are, are we on that sort of thing here, Michael? Or no, am I, I completely no, I off? Don't, I don't think so. So, so, so okay, kilo, sorry. So the potatoes are 100 potato. kilos. Yeah. They're 99% water. Yeah. They then dry out a bit, so they're now 98% water. Yes. So, 98 kilos. Easy. Next question. <laughs> oh, I really want to get this. I know I'm wrong when I say 98 kilos. Do you, you, know, you know I've, what to do here, I've, Kit, do you? I've heard this question before, so I'll, I'll sit out respectfully. and let you... Okay, just, 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 just give me another minute okay. here. But like, <laughs> I... I, I know that 98 kilos can't be the answer, but I also don't understand why it's wrong. <laughs> so, they're now... The 99% water... Water. I feel like this is less of a so, paradox so and more on, just on, an on, annoying on. question, though. You know, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. Why are they buying hundred kilos of potatoes? This is, what, what are, are they making? This is the real yeah. question, isn't it? Like, maths is the only <laughs> place in the world where you can buy a hundred watermelons and no one bats an eyelid, right? They're like, hmm, <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah, obviously. So, okay, so hang on. So, so at the beginning, they're one kilo not water. Let's not focus on the yeah. water. Yeah. So they're one kilo not oh God, water. it feels like I'm in maths yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in the corner. And then... Annoying Chad. Not the country. I sat next to a boy called Chad. <laughs> so they're one kilo not water. Yeah. That boy Chad... That I, I then unfollowed a load of people on Facebook <laughs> after school. And then Chad messaged me saying, Oh, you, you're too good for us now, Seabag. And I was like, No, I just don't... We don't talk anymore. <laughs> 
Shout out to Chad. Uh, oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. Okay. So, so Will, right? The the weight of the potatoes that isn't water is one kilo. Okay. Great. So, so at the beginning, one kilo is one percent, right? Okay, I'm starting to lose focus. After they dry out, <laughs> the the dry weight, the not water weight, is still one kilo, but that's now two percent. So if one kilo is two percent, no. then a hundred percent is fifty kilos. Oh my god, it's so painful. Kit, what do you think? Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah, it is. Gosh. It is. Well done, Hugh. T- totally worth it. Great, <laughs> I'm going to cut that together so it sounds like I got it instantly. <laughs> my brain completely shut down. Well done, Hugh. Yeah, that is it. Uh, a surprising oh answer of 50 kilos. I'm uh, definitely going to give that to uh, my class in September. But that, yeah. that reaction Thanks. that you're that you're having, Hugh and Will, is is really, really natural when people are asked to do maths on the spot. I, I am a professional mm. mathematician. And I have it all the t- I have it all the time, and I hate those sorts of questions when you have to think. Uh, you know, give me a piece of paper, let me sit down and do it on my own. Fine, I'll take yeah. it away and I'll, yeah. I'll try and work it out. But doing it in front of people, uh, yeah, mm. it's to- it's totally natural reaction to be stressful. And so, Hugh, I think you did really, really well there to to bring that one out of the Thank bag in a non patronising yeah, yeah, yeah. way. <laughs> uh, you... I, I wasn't taking it as patronising. I love that praise. <laughs> Did I do any Will, good? Your, your reaction was, was completely natural. Completely natural. And did I react really well? I thought you reacted really well. Very <laughs> naturally. <laughs> it's, really diff- it's really difficult to do that sort of thing in your head, live in front of people. Um, yeah, and mm. I can understand. I just don't... I, I think I definitely have developed a, a... Like, I put up a block against questions like that. I really think there is something in my brain that's been like, just don't engage. Like, I, I find it very difficult to focus on the question. But, you know, the, the other thing is, Will, I I figured out the answer, but I still kind of think, like you, that the answer is 98 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not really convinced, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You think if you did it in real life, you, you'd get yeah, a different yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. If I did it. Every Friday night. <laughs> So guys, we'll move on to the third question. Um, Kit, you're 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 back in play for this one, um, and you've so you've got got one question right so far, Kit. Can I so, ask? You can know, you, you can you just again real world maths? Can we combine these things? So if you're interviewing a hundred people for secretaries, yeah, and you put them in a room and they they then become ninety eight percent water, <laughs> or is it? Are they then dry out? <laughs> How much do we need? A hundred kilos of secretaries to find out the best type? I think if they be- go on, which is like one and a half secretary. Yeah, I think if they become ninety-eight percent water, they've um, they've they've increased their water, right? So they've taken on they've been they've been drinking a lot of water while they've been in the room. That's true, maybe actually, were, because we yeah, start yeah. at what eighty percent. Yeah, or something, something like, like that, that, I guess. But maybe they were nervous. So very well hydrated secretaries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's or bloated, bloated maybe. Oh, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no stay for an interview, really. You know, you want to be comfortable going in. Yeah. Well hydrated yeah. secretary is definitely an album name. <laughs> <laughs> or a racehorse. <laughs> um, so Kit, you've got you've got uh, one question right so far. So if if you get this next one right, you will. Uh, uh, you'll you'll pass the test, and otherwise we will have shattered your <laughs> as yet unblemished academic record of not having failed an exam. Oh. So you know, no, no pressure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so don't, don't book a holiday during the next <laughs> question. <laughs> um, so uh, the 
17th uh, century independent formulation of calculus by uh, Isaac Newton and then uh, Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz and a couple of others is a famous example of independent discovery. So this is a situation where a specific discovery is made or invention is invented or theory is theorized by different people without any knowledge of, of each other. Um, so I'm going to give you three examples uh, of other things and uh, you've got to tell me um, which of them is not an example of independent discovery. So two of them are real, one of them I've made up. Um, nice. So the natural selection theory of evolution, x-rays and oxygen. Do you mean oxygen the festival? What, what about? <laughs> uh, the discovery of oxygen. <laughs> yeah, not, not the invention. That's true. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, excellent clarification. <laughs> we'll allow it. Uh, so evolution is is definitely sort of co-discovery because uh, it's often known as Darwin and um, is it Wallace, Alfred Russell yeah, Wallace. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's definitely a co-discovery one. What have you got, guys? You've got the other two to deal with, so I'm done now. Yeah, I still pass, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Will, do you know how X-rays work? Yeah. Do you? Maths. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were asking me to explain it. Um, yeah, you fire so, a load of numbers through someone and they bounce back and they go, hey, there's a tummy so there. X-rays and oxygen. So, but Michael, are you, so are you just asking us, did more than one person discover this? At the same time. Also, I like that Michael's yeah. saying that he made up one of these. So he's saying someone yeah. came up with X-rays at the same time, but he came up with oxygen. I, yeah, yeah. I think Dalton discovered oxygen. He discovered lots of the sort of early elements and and I think that he did it on his own, and it feels like Timothy Dalton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> before he did Double uh, Seven, just before he did James Bond, uh, he did O Two. That's where the the O the Double O Seven comes from. <laughs> the two O's in oxygen. It's the best joke that's ever been made on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was uh, John. Is John oxygen Green. also the seventh element in the periodic table? I think it's the eighth. I bet it's not. It's the eighth, no? Oh, that would be close, that would have been brilliant. Close. Yeah, I think it's the eighth. I've I've written some maths jokes that um I think would be good for the podcast. So I've got one of them here for you. Uh, what what what's the I say maths jokes? It's just because it's got a number in it. What's the sexiest chemical element? Uh, tungsten. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see what's happened here is you've come up with a better punchline. Uh, no, it's, it's it's thulium because its atomic number is sixty nine. Way lads, lads, lads. Um, I I I'm gonna I'm happy to go with Kit on this one. That before, yeah, well, before you and I, uh, before you and I independently took Kit away from a genuinely intelligent. Uh, strain of thinking with two of the stupidest uh, interruptions that have ever been brought on this podcast. Uh, he was beginning to say something interesting about oxygen. You think oxygen? It was just. I him. think it was just just Dalton. Yeah, just Tim. Uh, just Tim. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, and I feel like X-rays. There's lots of stuff about you know radiation going around. Was it the was it um, Marie Curie that discovered X-rays? Maybe someone else at the same time. So, I'm so my I've got the answers here, but now I'm beginning to doubt. Oh, no, them don't. I'm, 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 because I'm it's been it so spot on. So, now, so Michael again wasn't wasn't Tim- Timothy Dalton's Welsh, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I found some oxygen. <laughs> I'm just breathing it in. Would you? Will you? Will you give us Timothy Dalton? Give us your answer as a as a Welshman, Michael. 
<laughs> um, the 18th century discovery of oxygen was made by a number of people. By Carvel Helm Scheele, by Joseph Priestley, and by Antoine Lavoisier. That, that was it. That's as good as I got. Okay. So Wales is. Were they Swedish? <laughs> but with a parent from Pakistan? Yeah. <laughs> You're very diverse in your approach hmm. to accents, Michael. Yeah. 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 So yeah. oxygen oh. was multiple people. Uh, well, it was. They all discovered it at, at, at around the same time. Oh. Yeah. Um, I think probably over the course of about sort of 10 or 12 years, a couple of different people stumbled, stumbled and was, upon And was a famous Welsh woman, Marie Curie, was she the inventor then of x-rays on her well, own? Well, no. So, so I guess a number of people uh, stumbled upon x-rays. So x-rays, you know, can be emitted in various different scenarios. Um, and, and and was happening uh, for I, I guess over the course of about two hundred years, people were conducting different experiments where X rays were were shooting out left, right, and center. But basically, there was only one person who really managed to quantify and codify them, and that was Wilhelm Röntgen. Uh, and they're still called Röntgen rays in in uh, in in most con- in most uh, languages other than English, I think. Um, so uh, that's the one where he he was he was basically the only person to actually yeah. identify. I would never have believed it. It's like a pub quiz where, like, your 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 worst stupidities get recorded for posterity. Yeah. Just do this, all this new. I said, like, oh, pretty young Marie Curie. Actually, it was two hundred years ago before Marie Curie. All oh, right, okay. Good. Good oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah two hundred years. Forgot about that. Yeah. So, so guys, you got you got through the quiz. I mean, very much assisted by Kit. I will will say that really only Kit is the person is the person the only person can hold up his head up high coming out of that. Um, what we're now going to uh, talk about is well, firstly, I've got a couple of questions about maths, if that's sure. okay. And the first question, which I think is a surprisingly difficult question, is what is mathematics? Like, what what are we talking about here? Because it it seems to be uh, to to cover all sorts of everything. Yeah. Can I just before we get Kit's answer, could I ask Will to answer that question, and then we'll hear from Kit. <laughs> mathematics is numbers and secretly numbers are everything and numbers are a way of looking at the world but stuff that we made up that uh, i think was like an arab invention but then we shush no it's english and um (laughs) we uh we look at the world and a cloud is like a cloud but it's actually just secretly numbers and uh it's a way of making children feel bad about themselves here's some more maths for you i would have put any amount of money in the world that you were going to answer that question starting maths is numbers <laughs> and you did you didn't let me down uh, over to you Kit if you can follow yeah. that well you, to- <laughs> Good you touched on some interesting things there like um, you know Clouds, we yeah. d- discovered discover- discovered numbers and there's a big debate about whether maths is invented or discovered right is it is it all just out there okay. and we are just sort of mining for it and digging up theorems and finding proofs okay. or are we genuinely being creative and coming up with new stuff that isn't there like would if another civilization you know was doing mathematics would they find the same stuff as us is it so is it discovered or, or created that's a really big debate mm. but to actually answer your 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 question I don't. I don't have a really great answer. I, I do talk with my I did. my maths buddies about. Yeah, it's fine. Will had a really great answer. Um, yeah. I, I do talk with my maths buddies about this, and I think the best thing that we we come up with is that mathematics is pattern. So it's searching for patterns. It's finding patterns. It's 
creating patterns. And so I think there's lots of maths around us that we maybe don't think of as mathematics. So, um, you know, if you look, if you lie underneath a tree and you look up, it looks really beautiful, I think, and I should do this more often, I think it's good for you. But, um, you, and, and what you're seeing there is, is the way the, the, the branches are, are branching out, maybe a sort of a fractal, mathematical fractal. Um, and if you, you know, if you see a snowflake and you look at that in detail, it looks beautiful. And that's because it's, it's mathematical and it's, and you're sort of seeing maths there. Um, if you listen to music and you're tapping your foot in time to music or I don't know, do, do any of you sing in the shower? Yes. Yeah. Like, when you sing exclusively, right. In the shower. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. For the, yeah. Michael yeah. and I only shower and sing together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is for the best for, for most people, including me. Um, but when you hear, you know, when the reason it sounds nicer in the shower is because your voice is sort of uh, reverberating off the hard walls of the shower and interfering with itself. And um, yeah, don't I do that in the shower too. <laughs> <laughs> and making a nice sound. Um, yeah, so so then you're sort of you're you're actively hearing maths, and then um, yeah, so I think I think there are places where maths crops up, and there's patterns that we don't even realise are patterns, perhaps, and um, and yeah, so I think maths is is pattern and the search for and discovery and the creation of pattern. So that so that's a much better answer than I could have even hoped for. I think Kits was good too. The power of maths for me is in what it can describe. So mathematics is the language of science and through science we can understand the world better mm. so you can you can start to describe all sorts of stuff which you might not have imagined that you could describe like cancer for example you can model cancer tumors using maths and then you can try to make drugs which can treat the tumors better through mathematical understanding so i think the fact that mathematics has this, um, people call it the, the unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics to describe the world. That's the beauty of math, not the, not the equations, not the, you know, the, the, the really messy stuff that people write down, the integrals, all these, this notation yeah. that, that sort of keeps, it's that sort of gatekeeping, it keeps people out of mathematics, the, the notation. But, um, but it's actually the, the utility of mathematics. Uh, for me, I'm an applied mathematician, so for me, that's the beauty. Is mm. there any, for you, Kit, is there any sort of mathematical field or concept that, that most people don't know about and isn't covered in, in sort of the, 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 the normal run of education that they definitely should? Or what are the most sort of interesting developments um, that, that, that are going on currently that, that more people should know about? I'm going to be super biased and talk about my own area of research, which is mathematical biology. Um, okay. I think people hear these two words together and think like biology, messy, cutting stuff up, um, you know, mm. difficult to do. Maths mm. at the other end, austere and far removed from reality. And, you know, pure maths is what people think of mm. typically when they think of maths. And how do these two subjects ever come together? But I suppose I've sort of mentioned it before that maths is the language of science and we can use it to write down equations which describe all sorts of things from you know the the movement of the clouds in the sky and, and you know things like that to help us predict weather but we can also use similar sorts of equations to help us describe what's going on in our cells and and how genes get translated and transcribed and turned into proteins and you know how our how our bodies function um so yeah i i use mathematical biology to understand the way that locusts 
migrate and swarm together and I also use it to understand the way that cells move around in an embryo and form pigment patterns in, in animals. So yeah, math, mathematical biology is a, a big and growing area and it's, it's, um, it's something that, I mean, I'm not saying the public need to be doing mathematical biology, but it's something that is impacting and changing our, our lives at the moment and it's helping with things like drug discovery, um, helping to, to reduce the costs of drug discovery so that we can save people and you know the nhs money things like that so it, it, it's got a, it's got a big impact uh, and it's a big and growing area when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think it's t- time for another maths joke, do you think? I think it is. <laughs> Uh, why is six afraid of seven? Do you want the answer? Uh, because seven killed three kids. <laughs> Horrible stuff. Seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't give the answer um, that I thought. Gosh, that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, did you think it was four kids? <laughs> um, and, and where... Um, well, I'm going to ask you where, or, or maybe more specifically, who... Um, are the greatest mathematicians uh, making sort of contributions to the common good today? Um, you know, we think back through history to the various, you know, famous mathematicians, Archimedes or... Back in the day, you would have had people like Newton and Ada Lovelace, people yeah. doing sort of individual brilliant things. Uh, even, you know, Alan, Alan Turing more recently. Um and actually, Andrew Wiles as well, who who proved Fermat's last theorem, he just sort of shut himself in an attic for seven years. But those people are really the exception. And I think this is the image of, of maths and science that we need to be portraying, mm. is that actually those sort of lone geniuses are really not that common. And actually the way that science works more is, is, is through teamwork. And, it, and in particular, if you want to make strides in interdisciplinary subjects like mathematical biology, you can't just go and shut yourself in an attic. You need someone to work with, to do experiments with, yeah. uh, and, and you need a team of people behind you to, to be checking things and, and, and working on things. So I think this idea of, of the, the genius soul, low, you know, lone scientist mm. is, is in some ways unhelpful because I think it makes people think that to do maths, you've got to be that lone genius and you've got mm. to do everything for yourself. And actually when you get to research level mathematics, it's actually much more about teamwork, I think. So, yeah, so I'm going to cop out and, and not give you any names, but say it's That's all That's a great about answer, because I, I feel like I could be on the maths team now. I could just be helping people out, making coffees, being like, you're doing really well, guys. Keep going. Right. That'd yeah, be great. absolutely. 100%. And, 
you could be like the Ringo of the Maths team. You just like keep keeping the group together, you know? He's just doing that to annoy me. This shows such ignorance of Ringo's talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's literally the only one with star in his name. Come on, Michael. Another math joke? Uh, what's the quick, quickest way of turning 3.14 into 2? Pass. You eat it. <laughs> eat a slice of pie becomes a number, number two. two got you got you very good i think my son would love that joke i'm going to tell him that tomorrow he loves that sort of uh, amazing yeah. that's great as long as you credit yeah, me yeah, yeah yeah definitely i'm yeah, happy i'll make sure when he Even when he retells it in the playground he, he says that it's will see bags yeah great what is the biggest non-infinite number that you've worked with Oh my so god. when you when you've been doing your calculations, what's the biggest number you've got to? That's such a Michael question. It's such <laughs> yeah. a like, what's the biggest and the best? Or, or I will accept smallest as well. Oh. <laughs> well, in maths we use epsilon a lot, right? Which is a it's a very okay. small number, but not zero. So we use that a lot actually. Okay. Um, Michael's height. Yeah. So it's it's sort of not a specific <laughs> number, but it's it's okay. like you use okay. this as a sort of placeholder. Um, in terms of big numbers. I'm not. I'm not really that sort of mathematician. I don't work in number theory, so to speak. So uh, I do a lot of stuff on on computers. Uh, I, I honestly, can't even answer the question. That's you know, you absolutely stumped me there. I can't even answer. But you're definitely like triple triple digits at least, right? Yeah, probably three three okay, or four okay. digits. I'd say. At least. Okay. Okay. Didn't you talk about there was an article that you did that was talking about the the first recorded use of the number zero? Like that happened at some point. Right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was uh, in India um, where they first sort of decided that they needed a placeholder to say that there was nothing in in that column, and it and it sort of it really helps when you're using what's called the place value system, right? So we have place value systems where you can have a number like two hundred and twenty-two, and the same digit two mm. means three different things. It means two ones, or it means two tens, or it means two hundreds. If you want to write a number like 202, you need two, but you need a zero to say that there's no tens, mm. and then you need okay. a two. So b before that, it was it made using place value systems more difficult and potentially ambiguous. So having zero was, uh, yeah, super important. And obviously before place value, we had you know uh, other other systems like uh, Roman numerals, where you know every time you want to step up an order of magnitude, you need to invent a new number um, to a new letter, a new symbol. Same with uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs, you need to invent a new symbol, whereas place value, you can write any number you want with just these 10 mm -hmm. digits, which is which is a really you know useful invention, I think. So we use that, yeah, that decimal system. Yeah. Obviously there's also binary. Yeah. Are, are there other yeah. base systems that are used widely or used in particular areas? Uh, before we go, Hugh, what time is it, mate? Can you tell me? It is a quarter past nine. Right, so um, you've just used sexagesimal, right, which is base 60, right, to tell the time, because hours oh, and man. seconds work yeah. in that, and there's, and there's a 12 there. <laughs> yeah. um, he set a trap for you. We both fell so right cool. into it. I thought he had to go, really. So he was just telling cool. me I used sexagesimal. Right, sexagesimal system, yeah. base 60, right? So <laughs> it was. it's one of the oldest systems. It was invented by the Sumerians, and um, and yeah, it's it's super useful because sixty is really divisible. So you can you can divide up the hour into lots of different um, sets of, mm. of five, of two, of four, of of fifteen, and so on. So it's super useful. Actually, interestingly, Wimbledon's coming up. Tennis 
is roughly based on the sexagesimal system, uh, roughly. So you go 15, 30, 40, mm. or 45. And then the idea was that with the juices, you'd go sort of up and down between 40 and 45 until someone won two clear points, and then they'd get to the hour, and that would be the game. So it's it's based roughly on the clock. That's the that's the um, maybe apocryphal story, but it, it sounds quite nice. And zero is love. And zero that's is cool. allegedly um, le oeuf, right, from French, the egg. Uh, which so it looks like a zero, but um, the uh, other reason it, it could be um, love is because um, people say, well, you've got no points, so you're obviously rubbish, but you're still playing the game, so you're doing it for the love of the game, in the same way that, and in the same way that an amateur uh, is is like from amour, uh, love of mm. the game. You, you know, you're playing it. You're not very okay. good, but you know, you're playing it because you love the game, so you've got love. Playing it for oh, the egg of the game. Um, playing for the egg of the so game. Yeah, yes. um, yeah. So tennis, yeah. tennis got lots of good etymology uh, stories attached to it. Wow. I I was uh, hanging out with someone. We had a barbecue yesterday, and he was like, "Oh man, I was so hungover. I went to the airport and I completely lost my omelet." And I was like, "Sorry." <laughs> said lost my omelet he ate an omelet and then sicked up the <laughs> omelet. i was like you can't. that's the most amazing euphemism for, <laughs> for puking oh, i totally lost an omelet i lost an omelet oh, yeah because like lose when you say you lost something it kind of implies you want it back you know but it's, it's not the case there so um another another being a mathematician mathematician question um, michael how so, many times have you been tempted to call him a mathematician <laughs> happy with that yeah that's presumably what it says in your your card yeah. right lots of lots yeah. of good math yeah. tricks yeah. you know card tricks based on yeah. math so yeah it's good all good yeah yeah oh yeah that's all maths cards is maths the per- whoever invented cards that's mad that's so impressive yeah. go on that's all go on, <laughs> go on. Why, why is it so, so will you, well you've stated a stated a theorem there <laughs> so i think you're gonna have to prove it <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Pythagoras, who, realistically speaking, Pythagoras should have come up with pi. Come on. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm sure it's based on game theory, as I've learned. But the idea of, like, there's so many different games you can play based on this thing. And, like, it's just stupid cards. It's based on suits. No one's wearing a suit. It's all different numbers. I get the clubs and the and the spades. But, but I don't think the person who invented cards invented all the games. Like it's you know we just we took we took a set of things. It's not like Uno will you know. <laughs> I think the thing with cards is interesting though, and even when because again in in school and you go back to that fear of maths. Anytime I can use cards to do something, so we play like a place value game. Sometimes we play at the start of the year where and we use the giant cards, which are always cool. It's like getting a giant check, yeah, you know. Yeah. But like basically, <laughs> there's there's no there's no real maths involved. There's no real skill involved. Basically, they have to come up. I put them in one against one. We do a knockout, and they get three cards, and they have to, you know, put them into the largest number they can they can oh, get yeah. or whatever. But um, but it's something like using cards or using because I always used to scoff at Sudoku when it came out first because I like doing crosswords and I didn't necessarily I'd do the Sudoku but I was like ah whatever and one thing I'd always say is people was like oh you know but it's good maths and I was like it's not maths though it's got nothing to do with maths and maybe I'm wrong but I was always say it's got nothing to do with maths you could put anything in there they don't have to be numbers they could be letters they could be whatever but I started giving it to kids in school who are not confident in maths because they think it's maths too. And suddenly they end up doing a Sudoku well and then they're like, oh, I don't mind numbers as much. You know, I like a bit of maths. So there's all these things where, and cards are the same way, where you can boost people's confidence with maths without using any maths at all, I feel, you know? It's a terrible time to find out that Sudoku isn't maths. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, I, you're absolutely right. Maybe I'm wrong. It's great to give people that confidence. And I think there is, I mean, it, you're right. You can replace the numbers with symbols, with whatever you I want. I guess there so is still the numbers aren't there. But yeah, like, there it, there's, there's, three by three exactly, grids there's, and, there's yeah. logic behind there, which is, which is a core area of, of mathematics. So, um, yeah, but it's a different sort of math. And if you're getting people to do maths without realising they're doing maths or, or getting people to build their confidence because they think something's maths, then that's great. I think that's, that's great. I, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Sudoku. Mm. So did we talk about any of the of the other number systems, Kit? Is there any more you wanted to say on that? Because um, that, that, that watch trick was... So, <laughs> so there, are, there are lots of um, <laughs> societies. There's the, the Duodecimal Society of Great Britain, and there's another one in the US. So they, they favour base 12 uh, for similar sorts of reasons. So they would propose not just having 10 digits, but having two more digits so that you could go all the way up to uh, to 12. And again, the reason is because 12 is quite divisible because 10, you can only divide by five and two, but 12, mm. you can divide by um, two, three, four, six, and 12 itself, obviously. So it's like darts players like leaving themselves double 16 because it divides all the way down. So if you keep mm. missing, you don't end up hitting a double you don't end up with a oh, that's interesting yeah so that's all the way down to one. so that's from yeah. yeah so that's that's powers of two right so yeah 16 16 yeah. is a good one to have left yeah that's really interesting i never thought about that and as a mathematician do you still like the rest of us if someone cuts a slice of cake in half do you still say i want the bigger half yeah 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 that that's impossible yeah. no no okay. one has the power right. to no one has the power to do it. if it's not an actual <laughs> half no one has the power to look at two things and not say half of they're roughly equal. That's not even the yeah. greatest mathematician in the world. Yeah, yeah. When I was when I was in school, particularly in primary school, I loved maths. And even the start of secondary school, I liked maths. But then as it got more scientific, that kind of it kind of lost me there. Like even yeah, I love I love mental arithmetic. I love that sort of stuff. And 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 I found it more difficult when it moved into again not. Not not maths, but just other areas of maths. Yeah, I like I like numbers and sums and remembering things. But unfortunately, that's a very very small aspect of maths. But crucially, and I think this is really important for school. I have a very positive view of maths in general, which obviously an awful mm. lot of people don't have. Which then affects well, we'll, we'll probably get onto this in terms of how how maths is taught in schools. But as a teacher, one of the biggest problems I see in maths, uh, which obviously we know, it, it's no surprise, is is the fear of maths that people have. But so much of that comes from parents, you know, so much of that comes from parents who themselves didn't like maths. And then that travels across to uh, yeah. to their kids. Yeah, I think that's true. I'm, I mean, I think it, it's good that there are different areas of maths that people can excel in. But yeah, to get to a certain level, you've got to be quite decent at, at all of those to start with before you then yeah. specialise back again into a, into a particular area. Um, yeah, and I think... You know what, though, maths, anxiety, I think you're right, it, it can transmit from parents to children, but it can also, uh, it can just strike anyone. And there's, there's a, you know, there's a real phenomenon of, of dyscalculia uh, where people yeah. really just, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm, I don't know, um, I've not worked in that area in terms of research in that area, but people just really draw a blank when it comes to numbers and it's a real, a real problem, I think. So, yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah, and it... Because I think one of the toughest things when you're trying to teach kids, that the hardest thing is not being able to see what they see, yeah. not being able to like understand what is going on in their heads. And I think I might have said this before on the podcast, but there was a, a little girl in the school I'm in who was was reading at one point. Now, she's very severe dyslexia, but she said at one point she looked up and she was like, but why do the letters have to move around so much when I'm trying to read them? Wow. And I was just like, 
I cannot wow. even imagine wow. what yeah. it is like. Yeah. You know, like I, it's it, like she says that, and we all have an image in our head of little dancing letters. But it's not like that at all. You know, it's just. But we've no way of knowing. And yeah, I think yeah. for people with dyscalculia as well, you're trying to, you're trying to teach them, or you're trying to help them with it. But really, without being able to be inside yeah. their heads, it's it's so difficult. You know. Yeah, and it's the same all the way up, all the way up. Actually, like once you've learned something, it's incredibly difficult to get into that what we call like a liminal state where you're sort of on the mm. on the cusp of of learning it again where students often are where they've seen a bit of it and they're sort of close to getting the idea but it's really hard yeah. to put yourself in their shoes to tell mm. them what they need to know to get over that next hurdle i think that's really really mm. difficult um, and yeah it's that's one of the biggest challenges in teaching i think and i get when you um when you uh, leave your maths lab and you're walking around in the real world with them um, with, 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 the, with the rest I, of us I, I heard <laughs> i heard when you leave your bath slab it's like <laughs> when did he talk about his bath slab oh my goodness you guys, do you not have a bath, have a bath slab, slab? You? after you've had your yeah. bath you lie on the yeah. slab drives drives you right <laughs> out really quickly yeah. <laughs> then you're 50 percent water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just put your hundred kilograms of potatoes on your bath slab. You're good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 when you're when you're out in everyday life, are there any sort of common maths errors or misconceptions that you encounter that really bug you? And the one that I'm thinking of, for example, is you'll often see in shops, um, point ninety nine cent, for example, will be will be there'll be a sticker, you know, it'll be a dot, then ninety nine and cent, which is you know less than one cent. As opposed to what they're trying to say, which is yeah, know, less than one euro. Yeah, yeah, I've seen or pounds. Yeah, no, yeah. I've seen that one in the wild quite recently, and it was on a. I, I think I mentioned before I've got this sort of maths WhatsApp chat where we post all this geeky sort of stuff, and there was you know there. Was, so you, you you call it in, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. If someone sees it in the wild, it's like well, boy. Take it to the council. Ladies and gentlemen, if, hello. If you see it, if you see something, say something. Yeah, isn't very, that? Right. <laughs> yeah. very much. Very much. We're trying to highlight. Uh, no, but then, but then we actually have a, a like a sort of nuanced discussion where people are actually like, "Come on, stop being a knob!" Like, obviously they mean, you know, they obviously mean not put nine nine euro. So actually, you know, we all know yeah. what they mean. But you're right; in some contexts, you don't. Uh, and I think that one's quite a common one. Um, yeah, so I've got all sorts of stuff. Like I see people sending graphs to this group all the time with dodgy like y axes. So you know people making things look more similar than they actually are by changing the y-axis okay. or um I, I found one last year myself which was like a political poll where um they tilted over the bars in the bar graph so it was like <laughs> who's voting for which party and they put them next to each other so that the lower end of one rectangle was next to the higher end of another one so they looked much more similar than they otherwise would i'd never wow. seen that one before that's a really that's amazing cheeky little trick and they, you know if you'd put them you know actually the right way in right orientation you would have clearly seen the difference but they were trying to pull a fast one there um yeah i think one of the ones that that gets me which again i posted on my on my group and and people called me out for being too pedantic is the word exponential so people oh, use yeah. the word exponential okay. all the time and actually it's coming mm. to common parlance to mean big or fast yeah and that's yeah. sort of okay in some contexts but yeah so the, i i tweeted about robert peston doing this the other day um about boris johnson making his uh his um banning from parliament exponentially worse or something like that and uh, and actually, like, exponential has a really specific meaning in math. It means something that's growing in response or in proportion to its current size. 
So, for example, uh, if you leave your money in the bank account long enough, because you're getting interest on the interest, it should grow exponentially. If um, you're thinking of the number of people in a pyramid scheme, if you're adding, you know, each person has to recruit two more people, it's growing in proportion to the number of people who are currently in the scheme. Mm, it's growing okay. exponentially. Really importantly, recently, the number of people who are infected with an infectious disease at the start of an epidemic grows into in proportion to how many people are currently infected. So you see mm. exponential growth at the start of the epidemic. So my argument is, you know, Robert Peston is using exponential in this context, but he would also be potentially using it in the context of an, sure. of an infectious disease when he would actually need to, to, to mean exponential. It's almost like the boy who cried exponential, right? Mm. Like, you're using this word and no one's going to believe yeah, you when yeah. we actually need it. Come on! Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's mine. But I am aware yeah. that it has come into common parlance as meaning big or fast. But the, the point of exponential growth is, at the start of a disease, it's not big, and it's or a disease outbreak, it's not big and it's not fast, it's slow. But the point is, it's gonna get mm. big and fast. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah, so people maybe wouldn't say exponential at the start, even though it is. And it's about predicting what's gonna happen in mm. the future. Mm. So yeah, that one, that one spot, I get, gets me a bit. Uh, Kit, I had um, going back to I think it was episode thirty-eight uh, of uh, of our show, and um, I had an idea that um, uppercase numbers would be a very good <laughs> idea hell. and the idea was and I just want to get your I, I'm, I'm angling for your buy-in on this because I need some sort of academic <laughs> support for this um, so the idea was that you would in the same way that you use um, uppercase letters for emphasis or to start a sentence you would use uppercase numbers for emphasis or to start a number do you think that's something you could start using in your work and give credence to my theories that, please that is brilliant i absolutely love the idea oh, no. i would never use it <laughs> <laughs> but i love the idea i'm struggling what i'm struggling with is like what's an uppercase eight what does that what does that look like because michael you told us <laughs> well, it doesn't look it's not just a big eight it's a yeah yeah so so for a small monthly fee kit, I can I can send you all the details on how this is gonna work. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can I can see it I can see it being adopted, but um, but uh, yeah. Another math joke. Oh, yeah, please. please. Do you want an example of an improper fraction? Please. Fourteen fucking fifths. <laughs> <laughs> That's my last one. What's your favorite type of triangle? Um, that's a really good question. I, I'll probably go for equilateral. The Bermudas. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. sorry. Uh, quadrilateral. Why a quadrilateral? No, he said equilateral. Equi quadrilateral is a, a quadrilateral is not, not a triangle. Not a triangle. Yeah, equilateral. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's you know nice and symmetrical. You can you can spin it around and it still looks the same. All the angles are equal. All the sides are equal. It's just neat and tidy. Sounds like the type of thing a circle man would say. Very much. That's the that's the limit. You know, as you go up and you add more and more sides to your polygon, right? You go to a square and then you go to a pentagon. You keep doing that. You know, a circle is basically just like an infinite-sided polygon. So triangle. And that's actually if you're talking about the very earliest ways to um, to to discover what pi was, what they used to do is mm. like because pi is is the ratio of the circumference to the the diameter of the of the circle. Um, so what they would do is, you know, work out a polygon with a particular 
diameter, so maybe they put a pentagon on the inside and they'd put like mm -hmm. a, a septagon or a heptagon, a seven-sided shape on the outside, and they could calculate the areas of those two things relatively easy using triangles and all about okay. triangles back in the day. Uh, and so they could approximate pi, they could bound it between these two, uh, between these two, um, Wow, that's very. Should have just should have just used a spirograph. Spirograph would have been a lovely way to do it. I do challenge my students again to, which is very unfair because I'm focusing on the ones who have have a strong sort of memory for numbers and things like that. But I tell them that if uh, they can learn a hundred digits of pi, they can get a night off homework. Wow. And uh, a couple of them have taken me up on it and have done it. And in fact, I've one student who, when uh, we finished up school, was at was at three hundred and fifty digits and counting. That's she'd sort of keep coming in she'd come in the next day and she'd be like oh Mr O'Connor I've got another 50 digits I was like I mean I can't let you off any more homework <laughs> because I'm not giving you any homework now like you're, you're fine don't ever do homework again but like oh, that's that's brilliant because actually if you've got something which is hooking kids into maths and if it's memorising digits yeah. of pi and they're getting enthusiastic about that and it's like they think you know this is maths yeah. and this is you know that's great that's fantastic guys I'm going to push towards final judgement uh, and ask you whether or not maths is or is not a legitimate like. Uh, what do we think? Are we going to offend our guest mortally today? <laughs> yeah, I'm in a difficult position where my experience with maths has always been like very difficult. And I think that's basically because of a bad teacher. Because I had a very good teacher at primary school called Mrs. Bergen, who was like very nice to me and gave me a lot of confidence and like created a booster group for kids who weren't good at maths to help them and it wasn't a negatively charged one it was very much like helpful yeah. and great uh and then i went to high school and met mr bishop who put me and the other kids who were bad at maths in the intermediates group at the back of the room and just gave us a worksheet to do so i always found it very hard i think there's a mental block that i have against it uh but um, it's difficult because i like kit kit has sort of changed my mind because i like him um but i think i'm gonna have to stick to my guns and say uh, math is not a legitimate like it's silly singing in the shower isn't maths it's just walls and water and my voice and harry styles and michael gently caressing my back uh so no it's not maths is silly words is great okay um i always loved maths uh, initially and as I said I, I loved it but I'm, I'm more an arithmetic person you know and I think it's very specific and it's why I loved countdown so much I love doing sums in my head I love I love I love numbers I like memorizing things which obviously isn't isn't maths but I do yeah I don't know what it is but do you know what Will I think again as a teacher I, I have to struggle against this that that people like Mr. Bishop have ruined all sorts of children you know and uh, I think it's it, the way to get a, past that is to do what Kit is saying and just look at the application in the real world, you know? So it's just it's just finding a way in because I think, I think yeah, we need maths for everything. It's it's everywhere. I'm looking around the room and there's angles and there's all sorts of things. And yeah, I think maths is great. I think it's really, I think it's so unfair that it is so hard for some people and it really does break my heart when I see kids who clearly find it so hard. But unfortunately, we all have those areas in life. And maybe one of the problems is that maths has been given more primacy in schools. But then it probably needs to be because it's really important. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm going to say it's a legitimate like. And so that leaves us in a one-all tie. And it is over to mathematician Kid Yates to decide <laughs> if maths is a legitimate like. <laughs> hmm. 
it's a, bit, I'm going to give a sort of nuanced answer, right? Maths is um, is a brilliant subject. It is the the language of science. It's it can describe the world around us. It's incredibly useful. Do I think everyone has to be a mathematician? No, absolutely not. Do I think everyone has to like mathematics? No, I don't think that everyone has to like mathematics. Do I think mathematics is useful for everyone? Yes, I do think mathematics is useful for everyone. I think that actually having a more numerate society would be a better thing. Do I think people should have to do math till 18? No, I don't. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think that could put people off post-16 education altogether. But I do think we need to think about how we teach mathematics. Do I think maths is a legitimate like? There's pluses and minuses. See what I did there? But it's, uh, (laughs) for me, it's a yes, it's a legitimate like. Maths is overall a good thing. There we go. Okay. Takes it home, 2-1. Amazing. If if you want more of this, you got to go and buy Kit's books. Books plural. That's more than one book. Maths. So those books are The Maths of Life and Death and How to Expect the Unexpected, which has just been released. So get it hot off the press. I, I it sounded like I was going to say more, but I, I thought. <laughs> should I, should I have said something then? No, Sorry. no, no. Yes, get the book. No. Buy the book. Yeah, buy the book. That's it. <laughs> Is there anything about maths you didn't get to say in the episode kit that you'd like to clarify? Or I mean, you've done a great job. I I regret voting it down, but I'm glad it can stay. Um. No, I think we covered. I think we covered loads of really cool stuff. So yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to to talk to you guys about about maths and and uh, my passion for it. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thank on. you very much, Kit. It's been amazing. Michael, thank you for your producing. Anytime. Hugh, thank you for co-hosting. Thanks, Will. Uh, and if you want to find Kit, you can follow him online. Uh, Kit, what is your, what's your Twitter handle? I should know that off my heart, really. Yeah, it's kit underscore yates underscore maths. It's really difficult to type on a phone, so that was a bad choice. <laughs> we'll go and follow Kit, despite how difficult it is. Thanks for listening to Legitimate Likes. Rate it five stars. That's a number. Uh, tell a friend. Uh, tell an oh exponentially grow the podcast that'd be great (laughs) thanks so much for listening everybody goodbye goodbye bye bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.